Hey everybody, welcome to the Bloody Awesome Movie Podcast. I'm John Burke, and with me from across the pond, uh, coming through Prostate Cam, is Matt Hudson from whatiwatchtonight.co.uk. Matt, how's it going, bud? It's going very well. Uh, that reference will soon become very, very obvious. But uh, if not, just enjoy just enjoy Prostate Cam with Matt Hudson. But yeah. yeah, I'm doing well, my friend. I've got a cup of the decaf coffee with me today. And um, I'm always looking forward to chatting with John Burke. How are you, my friend? And I can say, and for those listeners, I can see John again this week, and it's glorious. Uh, li- little known fact: I was originally when YouTube was coming out, I had started a website called Prostate Cam, but it did not pick up. I tried to sell it to Google; it was a no go. Um, but now, was, yeah, but who knows? It's 2021. It's a it's a whole new regime. Um, we are here, uh, you know to to chat about movies, which is something we just enjoy doing very, very much. Um, It's weird this week too, because in the States it was daylight savings time, an archaic tradition that we don't understand why we still change the clocks. It makes zero sense, but we, we are an hour ahead, which means usually our five hour time difference is only four hours, which luckily we caught what I think it was last year. We did not catch it. And we were like, like, hey, why aren't you here? You're like, what are you talking about? I have I think, an hour. <laughs> you, I think you you were on, weren't you? And I was just sitting, yeah. and I was at home daydreaming by myself, thinking this is great. <laughs> I've got another hour, and then suddenly I get the message. I was like, oh damn! Quickly run on, sweating, get get dressed again. Um, but no, John. Again, it was John. He's far far greater iron than this, and uh, he picked it up. B- BST uh, starts. So uh, I think our clocks change in about two weeks' time. So then, mm. so we back got to our week five of this. Hours. So we're yeah, closer to each other than we usually are. It's great. Right. It's fun. It's like a, great, it's man. like we time traveled a little bit, but That's not it, man. Um, kind of. But yeah, it, you know, but that's how it is. Uh, we're here this week to talk about the Russo brothers, uh, Anthony and Joe, you know, those guys um, who have a YouTube channel, actually, oddly enough. Uh, really? They, yeah. Uh, they started, I think during the pandemic. Um, it's something ba- movies and pizza or bad pizza. If you Google the Russos and pizza, and YouTube, it should pop up, but, um, Sweet. they talk about like, they have different people come on they talk about movies and stuff. It's, uh, they review pizza, I believe each time too, is like the, that's the <laughs> conceit of, but, uh, their new movie cherry, which just dropped on Apple TV plus is what we're here to talk about. Um, and I, I guess we just jump into it. Cause I mean, I, I, it's the cherry on the cake, right? You know, they had end game and mm-hmm. then they dropped this little cherry right on top of that. Uh, well, they wrote, Extraction and produced Extraction, and it, or at least one of them did, with uh, Chris Hemsworth. So they had Thor in that film. Surely they're going to get a new lead actor who's not in the MCU. Well, for let's this not film. forget they also produced Twenty One Bridges that had uh, Chadwick Boseman. Um, yes, of course. So oh, uh, man, and had zero bridges. There were zero exactly. bridge sequences in that movie. Um, I went for the architecture, and I left disappointed there, man. But yeah, was, to be fair, the caveat there is how many how many actors work in Hollywood who haven't been in an MCU film? It's probably a shorter list. It is get it, the list is uh, expanding constantly too. So yeah, it's going to get Redford. hard. Uh-huh. Uh, he's he's yep. in one. Uh, yeah. <laughs> so, uh, Cherry Apple TV Plus, directed by Anthony and Joe Russo, written by uh, Angela Russo, Ottstadt, uh, Jessica Goldberg, and Nico Walker, starring our boy Tom Holland, the Spider Man himself, Sierra Bravo, Jack Rayner, who Matt and I are big fans of because of yeah. Sing Street, uh, Forrest Good Luck. That's a fun name. Michael R- Rispoli and Jeff Wahlberg, who I've not done my research, but there is no way he's not connected to the Mark Wahlberg uh, and the Donnie Wahlberg. And I am putting the in front of their name because they deserve it. Um, uh, the synopsis of Cherry. I don't I don't like this because it implies that his name is Cherry. Because um, it says Cherry drifts from college dropout to army medic in Iraq. And I don't think his name is Cherry. His am I wrong? not Cherry. Yeah, but that's the synopsis from IMDb. So, uh, Fair enough. I guess it's one of those things. Um, Medic in Iraq, anchored only by his true love, Emily. But after returning from the war with PTSD, his life spirals into drugs and crime as he struggles to find his place in the world. Um, Rotten Tomato score of 38%, Metascore of 44, but an IMDb user score of 6.5. So the users in general like it more than they hate it, but critics are leaning in the negative. Um, I 
uh, really like Tom Holland. That's what I want to start this with is I think Tom Holland is always good. Um, I have enjoyed him in everything. I was, a, I am a big fan of his Spider-Man. I do like him the best. Uh, maybe it is recency bias. I think Tobey Maguire is overrated. I know Matt disagrees with me. Andrew Garfield is a terrific actor, but not, not so much. So in the amazing Spider-Man movies, although he doesn't have a lot to work with. Holland has won me over. And what I think my apprehension was pre last year was, can he act outside of Spider-Man? Is he just Peter Parker? devil all the time he crushed it i thought he was amazing in that movie i have not seen chaos walking yet if it's still in theaters next month when i get my second vaccine i will check it out despite the reviews um and i i thought he was great in this movie i do not think this movie is great Mm -hmm. um and i i have to reference the prostate cam i don't know what the russos are thinking this they've done jesus how many comic book movies they they did captain america winter soldier they did uh infinity war and and Endgame, right? Endgame, yeah. two of the so biggest three, films of all time two of the biggest all time and somehow this movie is more stylized than three superhero movies <laughs> there is weird text on screen at times that seem out of place and well, there's odd. chapters isn't there there's chapters which okay fine i'll let you do chapters this movie is episodic, so chapters work, but the episodes don't fully make sense. And the 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 prostate cam, dude, I don't think I've ever been more shocked by a POV camera in a movie that it's not a comedy, right? It's, it's this isn't a bleak joke. As any, it's dark, dark, not it's like grim as anything almost. They try to have some lighthearted, like dark humor in it at times to like lighten the load a little because it is it is very heavy. Yeah, and the humor almost always feels out of place. Um, like especially Rainer is a really good comedic actor, and he keeps getting cast in too serious of roles. I think for what he's good at, um, because man, when he's able to do because he's doing the snark here and he's funny, but it's like again, it's like but yeah, but I don't think it's funny because you're making fun of someone who I've witnessed just go from you know all the potential in the world to like nothing and i don't feel like that's a spoiler because it's in the plot synopsis his life spirals like there's no Mm -hmm. real positive way to twist that right like it's gonna not be a happy time movie um and it's dealing with real serious issues and it it doesn't feel like it knows that like it it feels like it's like yeah these are good movie tropes these are dynamic character traits like these are things that happen to people it's like yes all of those things are true but they're not cohesive in a way that feels impactful or powerful or inspiring or or even like harrowing where it's just like oh this poor man it's just like oh why did you do this to this character like what was the goal here and then it's a love story and maybe one of the weakest love stories uh since titanic really odd isn't it it, it's so just like okay I, I i don't think it's the actress i think uh sierra bravo is fine mm-hmm. um, no, yeah. but uh, i have a a student i i will not name drop uh but i have a student uh this another student asked me about cherry it happens all the time where kids are like have you seen this movie have you heard this movie Cool. and i was like yeah yeah i just watched cherry and she's she's only been in my class since january and she's uh she is a foreign exchange student um, has ambitions of being an actress. She's really like, I'm really, really proud of her. And this is the first time she really wanted to speak in front of like the room. Just, there's not a lot of people in the room right now, mind cool, you, because it's, it's still, but um, she had some major issues with the character of Emily. She was not happy with how they wrote this character. <laughs> and I was just like, I'm like, I'm listening, please say, say more. Yeah. Cause she, uh, cause she was like, what did you think of Emily? And I was like, well, I thought, I thought Sierra Bravo did a fine job, but I don't feel like she really got a lot to do except for be the object, you know, that he's kind of pursuing. And man, she was just like, boom, I got all this to say. I, I, I don't like how they, they wrote the character. I feel like she was yeah. almost didn't need to be there. And I'm just like, yeah, all of these things are true and it, excellent. Cause it is, it, it's, I think there's potential in this movie. Like, I don't think this is like, but it feels like, guys wanting to make a movie that's important like we wrote comic book movies so now we want to make this like hard-hitting drama and it feels like that instead yeah. of it being a hard-hitting drama it just feels like someone trying to do something and i'm like guys your comic book movies are really good movies like all three of those have emotional stakes like i love winter soldier i think winter soldier is one of the more underrated mcu films in mm-hmm. terms of people wanting to rewatch, and it, it brings around one of the lot almost it is i loved 
that film the first time I saw it, I was like, man, this is so good. And then I, I'm a big fan of both Infinity War and um, Endgame. I, I think what they were able to do with balancing all of those characters was impressive. And, you know, I know that's a team effort. Marvel has Feige too. You got to give Feige credit for that. And so I, I don't know. It, it, this movie kind of felt like that. Like we need to prove that we're more than just Marvel filmmakers. And it's like, but I don't think that should have the derogatory feel that it used to have. I think we have seen a lot of good come out of the Marvel cinematic universe. Yes. There's some formulaic stuff that happens for sure. But I think we've seen some directors really step up and do some impressive things with it. I think uh, uh, Peyton Reed with the Ant-Man movies, those are those are very different style films than the rest of the MCUs. And for me, they're my favorite because I I just I find the comedy in them to be so genuine. Um, You know, we didn't get our Edgar Wright Ant-Man, which I definitely would have loved. Yes. But, you know, I, I don't this movie does feel like we're more than superhero movie directors and i get why they would feel that because you're coming off of endgame and endgame as you said is one of the biggest movies of all time but i i don't think i don't want to feel it when i watch the movie like i was aware of these guys like the desperation like look how cool we are look how trendy we are like even the 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 color grading in this movie is really weird like it it feels like an instagram filter slapped on certain shots and Um, and that's not like built into the premise of the film or something. Cause I, there have been movies where like, it's an Instagram movie. So like, we're going to use the filters to, to, that's not what this is. This is just how much style can we put in? It, it, it's like an old guy going, look how cool I am. And it's like, mm, you're not chill out. Like just make the movie. Like, and yep. that's really disappointing. Cause again, I think Holland's performance is excellent. Um, but uh, yeah, overall I was, uh, Oh, and it's two hours and 40 minutes. Dude, don't even start me on that. I couldn't believe how long it was. I was like, wait, what now? Because <laughs> like, there were multiple man. times where I'm like, we're at the halfway point, right? And I'd like pause it. I'm like, oh, no. It's yeah. so long. <laughs> I'm only 10 minutes in. Yeah. But yeah, sorry. I, I went on probably too long Dude. for this movie. But what, what did you think, man? Dude, I could listen to you talk all day, my friend. You know that. Um, firstly, it's an 18. It's rated 18, which I don't know what the what the equivalent in the States is, because an R rating for you guys would be our 15 rating. So I was surprised okay. that this is an 18, which so you don't be, uh, get many 18s anymore. NC-17 here, If I don't think it would get that rating. I, I actually don't know what it is rated here. I'm assuming R, because uh, there's really... The, the only thing I could think of in the movie that would push it up to NC-17 would be the prostate cam, because we get weird about nudity. But Yeah, I mean, because it, it pop, well, cause it's on Apple TV, like, so I signed up to watch this free trial, love it, and it came up it, it, every, like on Netflix, it comes up with the uh, certificate, c- certification, sorry, 18, I thought, wow, well, you just don't see that very often at all. Um, so immediately I'm like, okay, like John's just said, the Russo brothers have come off their MCU adventure, in which they've made the biggest films of all time. Now they've come at me with an 18 film. This is two guys trying to diff- trying to show that they're more than just quote unquote comic book directors. And you can really tell because they throw everything at you. They throw a war story. They throw a addiction story. They throw a crappy romance. They try to get um, like so- social uh, issues in like the failings of society. There's masculinity issues in there. According to them, it's about the opioid epidemic. Could have fooled me. Um, you honestly could have fooled me. It's they. Tr- they. I, I, what, one of the notes I've got. I've only got a couple. One of them. It says it's ambitious, and I do think this is an ambitious film. Yeah. It doesn't it doesn't work for me, but I, I applaud the fact that they went somewhere. Like you said, they it's it's stylistic. They've split it up into chapters. They they kind of shift tones and genres throughout those chapters. But you know, whilst I applaud their ambition. I this film just fell for me f- quite hard. I thought Tom Holland was really good, and I did like you. His performance is outside of the MCU because that's another qu- unfair tag people get. Like Tom Holland, for the most for most people, made his name in the MCU uh, as Peter Parker in Civil War, and then going forward. Um, so people think, well, they're in those films; they can't act. People say the same thing about Scarlett Johansson or Chris Evans, is, and that's like, have, yeah. I mean, come on, come on, but. And I've and to be fair, though, I've been guilty of saying the same things about my my IP Star Wars. Boyega just won an Emmy. Such a good, such a good actor. Daisy Ridley. I want to see more of Daisy Ridley pushing herself into different roles now, which aren't. I'd like to see her as Spider Woman, but I also want to see her really push herself in roles like Tom Holland's taken in this role because I think he's great. I think Kiara, uh, Sierra, Sierra Bravo is good as well. 
But I honestly, dude, when you're talking about the time, I I looked at it. I very rarely look to see how long's left of a film. I was halfway through, and I cursed. I turned the air blue. Just me in the house, kids at school. I said, "You've got to be kidding me!" It's, I'm only halfway through. I was genuinely, genuinely bored of this film. I really, it just did not grab me. I don't mind a bleak film. I really don't mind a bleak yeah, film. Like same. The Road. We watched The Road. One great film. Jesus Christ, is it bleak, but good film. This so I just found, I, I just found it boring. I just didn't find it engaging. And they use a framing device. They use a device in this to Russo's, uh, an, an expository, over-explanatory device around Tom Holland's character, who, according to Wikipedia, is called Cherry, but he's based on a guy called Nico. And I seem to remember them calling him Nico. I swear they call him Nico, yeah, but I, I, they don't call him Cherry. That's for no, sure. No, they don't. But, but, but this device they give Tom Holland to you, not literal device. Um, it just basically spoon feeds the audience this naff story, and it it work in a film like like Forrest Gump. Maybe doesn't work here. I just didn't like it. And like you said, they go for some stylistic ideas, and I just did. There wasn't an awful. As you can probably tell, there wasn't an awful lot in this film that worked for me. I think as soon as when as soon as you're not doing those silly um, expository moments with the characters, the film is alright. I don't know, the film's fine, but it's when it starts. It's when it goes to when, when the Russo brothers try to get too ambitious or too experimental, it falls flat. It falls flat. And I haven't been. I know they haven't done an awful lot outside of the MCU. Extraction. They didn't direct that, but they wrote and produced it. Wasn't a fan of that. Before that, you're going back to you and me and Dupree. That's fine. But on your point about directors, it kind of struck me that the Russo brothers made their name in the MCU, and it's harder for them now to break out. Well, now we're going to get someone like Chloe Zhao, who may end up being the best director. She's coming into the MCU, so she's got nothing to prove. She's coming in. She's on. She's not even going to hide into nothing. If, it, if Eternals fails, we all know that she can direct a damn good film anyway. The Russo brothers have got the opposite. They can make wonderful epics and wonderful uh, MCU films, but can they take that outside of that realm? Their next project is The Grey Man with Ryan Gosling and Chris Evans, a spy thriller. I was really looking forward to Chris Evans and Ryan Gosling in a spy thriller. Now I know they're directing, writing and producing it. I'm a little bit loud. I know Gosling, he likes to pick his projects fairly, fairly kind of, um, he's been like Tom, Tom Hardy. He'll pick ones which he thinks he can get the most out of. But I've now got slight hesitations about the gray man because I'm worried about yeah. what the Roosters are going to do. And again, I can't fault them for their ambition because this is an ambitious film. It isn't just a straight up, drama film about somebody's life spiraling because of events that you know they've kind of done to themselves you know what i mean they've the, the characters make certain decisions which lead them down those paths uh, sometimes they're reactionary other times they're not they could have just told that story but they didn't they tried to try they tried to put other things in they didn't work for me i hope if they're going forward that you know maybe they try something a little bit more you know standard going forward but uh, yeah, I'm trying to think of something I did like. Tom Holland, uh, Kira Bravo. The score was okay. I thought the score was pretty cool. Didn't mind that quite. I thought that was pretty good. Other than that, I, I found it quite boring. I found it quite hard. And I, I, I can watch a film like The Road or Requiem for a Dream and things like that and get something out of it. I don't know what the what this film was trying to tell us. I don't know what the Russo brothers' overall message was here because they touch on so many things, like a jack of a master of all trades but a jack of none. There was nothing which jumped out to me that said this film was ultimately trying to tell me this because I don't know, because by the end of the film, I was like, well, I haven't really learned anything. You know, the, by, the way the film ends, it's like, I, I, I generally haven't learned anything from this. I, I, I don't know what it, what I'm meant to be getting out of this. Is, is it human decency? Is it a bond? What is it? I don't know, but I don't yeah. know, man. Well, it's one of those things I think where they, maybe they don't have anything to say. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, that's always been one of my things where I've, I've found I don't have a lot to write in a screenplay because I feel like a lot of my points, either other people make better or I'm not as passionate about those points as I am, like just about movies in general. And maybe that's the issues. Maybe they don't have, or maybe it's not them. Maybe it's the writers that wrote the screenplay because they're not credited based as off a writers. Book, this is, it's a based yeah. off a, an auto fictional novel by Nico Walker. So he kind right. of portrayed by Tom Holland. Yeah. Yeah, and that's uh, he is referred to as Nico, I think, uh, 
because I don't know, but I like you said, I don't remember them ever calling him Cherry. The only thing I remember that said Cherry, aside from the opening title card, was I think chapter three or four when he uh, his first like battle or whatever they they say Cherry and that he's about to pop his Cherry is the I'm like oh that's what that came from. I didn't even catch that was I the title. Have. <laughs> um, what that was the names whole- of the banks as well? Again, them inserting humor into things that didn't didn't work because it's it's not a dark oh, comedy. Well, um, that's that's just it. It's totally just like all over the place, and I think that's maybe whatever message was trying to be said was not clear. Like drugs are bad. Okay, sure. Now what? Like drugs are bad. What do we do from there? Like what do we do? Like what about them? And you're not really showing, like any new effects of it. And I, I don't know. We, we don't usually spoil the movies. I do feel like the plot synopsis kind of spoils the, the general idea because again, there isn't anything more. Um, it's exactly what it says. There's no like big twist or, uh, you know, conceit or like some brilliant idea of how to portray this. It's just exactly what it says it is. Ooh, and it says the synopsis, the guy returns from war with PTSD. Yeah. We all know people, we all know the horrors that can entail. He, he then gets into drugs and crime as he struggles to find his way. That is the story. isn't it? I guess the biggest lesson in the movie, it's really quick is don't make rash decisions when your heart is broken, because ultimately but everything is spirals from that. But then at the end, who knows? Yeah, I mean that's again. I'm I'm looking for anything that can be <laughs> interpreted here, and that's the one. Like all of the bad stuff that happens to him is because of one decision. Which I mean, I guess you could this it. It's kind of an anti-military movie, I guess, in a in a very small way. But they don't outright say it. But it's like his problems stem from the his time spent in the army, and he only ends up in the army because his heart was broken. Yeah early and he's like well fine i got nothing else to live for i'm going to join the military and um yeah so i guess that's the lesson is don't and it's not even don't join the military it's like don't make decisions when you're emotional because you're you're probably going to make the wrong one yeah you're you're probably not going to make the the choice that's best for you man i I guess so i guess so but then uh, so, well. again, certain parts of the film kind of then negate that, and I'm thinking then sure. that's that's where I'm so confused. But obviously, it's, it is based on that kind of fair, fictional but not fictional account by Nico Walker. So if this actually happened, fair enough. But it, it, in in a film, it is kind of just like what what do we what do we get from this? But uh, uh, the the scenes of because you know, his life spirals into drugs. The scenes of drug use are. Well, you know they are they are nice to watch. So I think they capture that well. They capture the horror of drug use. I mean, we all know drugs are bad. We've seen certain films. I mentioned Requiem, not Alien vs Predator. Requiem for a Dream um, show how bad and how messed up drugs can be, and other films as well. That just seems to be the flag bearer. But they do. I think you know they 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 show that well. You know they show the horrors of that very well. They they show they they do a very good job at showing the bad things like the PTSD that cherry slash nico tom holland fate uh goes through that's shown well you know that i liked that i think that was that was handled well the way tom holland portrayed it the drug scenes are not nice to see i think they got those spot on the crime scenes again they try to put humor in they try to make it too kind of um like soda burgy at times i was like this is just not right yeah it i think overall uh it's not worth subscribing to Apple TV plus to get no. um, there are other things on there. There are other great things on there. If the, if you were just like really interested in cherry and you're like, well, might as well make sure you watch Wolfwalkers, Ted Lasso. Um, uh, there was a, a BC boys uh, documentary is really good. Mm-hmm. Um, There's something else that was good. Mogul Mowgli's coming on there soon. It was already oh, on yeah. there actually. In fact, Ooh, really? Yeah, yeah, I man. just I just saw that at the Miami International Film Festival uh, online. I bought a ticket for that. Uh, we'll talk about that in a minute. Um, but uh, yeah, so that's our that's our review of Cherry. I think that's yeah. enough. Yeah, we please, spoke about it, actually, <laughs> please. Because um, yeah. uh, I, to be fair, I, I liked what I've seen of the Russos for the most part, so I was hopeful. And so far, Twenty One Bridges was disappointing. Um, Extraction wasn't bad. It wasn't. Well, they great. produced twenty one bridges, didn't they? But right, things right. that their names are attached to, yeah, like Extraction, extraction they produced yeah. it. Yeah, which again, not a bad movie, not a great movie, not a bad movie. I, I'd rather watch Extraction than than Cherry again, um, and that's oh, again no diss to uh, to Holland at all. 
No, they um, have. There's a great one shot fight, well, one take fight scene in Extraction, but I don't know. It, my my excitement for the Grey Man has been tempered by Cherry. And I'm not going to write the Russo brothers off as hacks because, oh, they can only do it in the MCU. Absolutely not. Every, everyone has a stumble, even Spielberg. Even the greats have a stumble or something now and then. It, it, I'm sure this wasn't the reception the Russo brothers wanted. It's clearly a, I think it's clearly their way of saying, we've, we've, the, we're done with the MCU. Have this, you know. Here, here's us showing, you know, it's like when, it's like when somebody breaks from a band. And they yeah. they go and release an album which is completely different from what they did before, and it's like this is the real me. So this time it didn't work, but you know, it, yeah, you know, it's competent. Not. It's competent in its execution for at some points. That's all I can say. Yeah, uh, that's it. We'll go to our next segment, which is chuffed headlines. These are movie and pop culture news that caught our attention. Now this week is a little different because uh, it's it's a big week. Um, awards week we got nominations for both the oscars and the arguably more important razzie awards Woo-hoo! do we start with the razzies and then go oscars i think that's the way i to think go, it's right? probably best to start with like they say save the so, with the best to last but i, I think, think we will do that in this case <laughs> we should do just the the big six right best best picture best director and then uh yeah, well i guess cool. worst worst picture worst director well, worst actor yeah. actress and supporting actor and actress and then um, if there's anything you want to throw out there, we can, but I think those are the big six that people are most concerned so. with. So let's go, Matt. What's the, what's, the, I hadn't looked at the Razzies until just now, by the way, and I'm, I'm ready to, to, to discuss. Well, in terms of the Razzies, there is one film which is, uh, running away with it. And I'm quite glad to say I agree with the Razzies on this, but the worst picture, the, the Razzies, <laughs> again, please, everyone, disclaimer, we do generally take these with a pinch of salt. We don't hold any sway with these, but for the laugh, uh, worst picture is 365 Days, which is like the Polish Fifty Shades film. Um, absolute Proof, Doolittle, Fantasy Island, and Music, the one from Sia recently. Uh, worst Actor, Robert Downey Jr. for Doolittle. Uh, and then we have, going through it, uh, Adam Sandler, Hubie Halloween, and then Absolute Proof, 365 Days, and The Wrong Miss Sia also um, in there as well. Worst Actress, here we go. Anne Hathaway for The Last Thing He Wanted and The Witches. Katie Holmes for Brahms The Boy 2 and The Secret Dare to Dream. That sounds like the uh, like sequel to Blade, uh, Blade of Glory or something. Um, <laughs> Kate Music for Hudson, Laura Lapkus for Wrong Missy, and 365 Days Again, and Anna Maria Sia Kluka. So, worst actor, worst actress. Uh, worst supporting actress. I'll go from uh, bottom to top on this one because there's a bit of crossover, I think. But uh, Maddie Siegel in music. Christian Wig, worst supporting actress for Wonder Woman 84. Dude. Uh, Maggie Q and Lucy Hale both for Fantasy Island, and Glenn Close for Hillbilly Elegy, worst supporting actress, and uh, yeah. she's been tipped for the other awards. A spoiler on that is I have not done the research, but I have to assume this is the first time the same role was nominated for both a Razzie and an Oscar. I'm trying like, to I know, think. I know Sandy B won the Razzie and the Oscar the same year. What, but she won the Oscar for Bl- the Blind Side and won the Razzie for All About Steve. Yeah, and she went to the Razzies didn't she, to pick up the award as well. And, and talk some trash. It was a really good, like, yeah. kind of like <laughs> forget you. Uh, and then winning real, the man. Oscar. Um, I'm trying to think that, on astrology if we've, had, if we've had any crossover, but I think we have. I, I I can't imagine this happens often where a performance is revered enough to be nominated for an Oscar and then reviled enough to be nominated uh, for a Razzie? Like, I would I would say that it's, that it's based on the film she's in, but Hillbilly Elegy isn't, again, disclaimer, we don't take this seriously, but Hillbilly Elegy isn't nominated for Worst Picture at the Razzies. Had it been, then I would have been like, oh, they're just punishing the film. And no, Amy, Ad- Amy Adams isn't nominated. Yeah. The kid's not nominated. It's literally Glenn Close. And She'd been a front runner too, so it's not like the Razzies didn't know that it was likely she was getting an Oscar <laughs> nod. Like, well, unless they've just done it for a bit of uh, notoriety. But um, let's move. move worst supporting actor, uh, Chevy Chase is in there. Shia LaBeouf for the tax collector, the one he got tattooed for. So bad. Arnold Schwarzenegger, Iron Mask. <laughs> Bruce Willis for Breach, Hard Kill, and Survive the Night. And get this, Rudy Giuliani for Borat subsequent movie film. I would uh, be surprised if he doesn't win that. I would love to see him win that. Worst screen combo, Mar- Maria Bakalova and Rudy. Robert Downey Jr. in his utterly unconvincing Welsh accent from Doolittle. Harrison Ford in the totally fake-looking CGI dog in Call of the Wild. I thought that film was quite sweet, and I like that dog. I just don't like the behind-the-scenes footage of Harrison Ford patting a, bl- a man in green spandex. Um, and then uh, Lauren Lapka, uh, the, the wrong missing, Hubie Halloween got a few more nods there. 
Uh, and I guess the other big one is Worst Director. The big one. Yeah. Uh, Charles Band for all three Barbie and Kendra movies. Uh, three, six, the directors were 365 Days, Stephen Gagan for Doolittle, Ron Howard, he'll be, he'll Billy Elegy, and Sia for music. And there was also screenplay awards and worst remake ripoff or sequel. So a bit of crossover there, not necessarily, oh, certainly in one. Ron Howard being uh, nominated for Hillbilly Elegy surprised me that that is not in the worst picture. But Doolittle got six nominations, as did, as did 365 Days. Um, Wonder uh, Music got uh, quite a few as well, and Wonder Woman 84 got a few. So well, I didn't like Wonder Woman 84, but uh, I don't think Christian Wiggles on the worst performance of the year. But again, it's the Razzies. Yeah, yeah and we, we, if you didn't catch, we uh, we talk about the Razzies and the Oscars on our other podcast, Movie Astrology. Um, so if you're not listening to that, you should subscribe to it and check yeah, those out. But um, if we're going to look at the Razzies, of course, and we have to look at the Oscar noms because this is a pretty big year. Um, we'll same six, uh, we'll start the Oscar website has them ordered very weird though, but we'll start with actor in a leading role. Um, I am excited, uh, for a lot of these, cause some of them are picks of mine, like the first well, nominee just, here. Well, just before we get onto that, not to interrupt, but I, I sent JB a message beforehand, but when, when the noms came out and I, I, I said to him to look at it and I was surprised at the nominations because they were almost what I, they were what I expected and more. That's what I will say is pleasantly surprised. Cause we said beforehand, like, how many surprises are we going to get? Is it going to be, you know, are we, are we hoping for, are we hoping for the Oscars to really start recognizing talent? Or are we going to get the same old? And man, it looks like the former, which is good. news. Yeah. But to be a counter to that though, mm-hmm. yeah. is they did have a lot less to pull from in, than normal. So some of their big directors, like, we would have. We were supposed to get West Side Story with Spielberg, uh, and uh, odds of that getting a nomination, unless it's really bad, would have been pretty high because it's a beloved Hollow- Hollywood remake. It's Spielberg, you know. But n- nevertheless, um, let's not frown because there is some really good stuff in here, and it makes me happy. Riz Ahmed getting a nomination for Best Actor in a Leading Role with Sound of Metal. Chadwick Boseman, uh, Ma Rainey's Black Bottom. I think he might be the shoe in because of the postmortem. Um, Posthumous. Post, uh, yes. Well. This is a stacked category, man. Who are the other it ones? Is. Anthony Hopkins for The Father, uh, Gary Oldman for Mank, and Stephen Young uh, for Minari. I, I think Oldman's the only one who's not likely to get it, only because he's recently won it. Yeah. Uh, but Mank got a lot of love, man. It did. Mank got a lot of love. Ten nominations Surprise for Surprised me. Not that I think it's a good film. We, we reviewed and said it was a good film. and we yep. I remember asking you, how well do you think it's going to do at the Oscars? And you said, you know, it's probably going to get a lot of noms. So yeah. you're right, and, man. Uh, you know, not not opposed to that. Um, then we go, uh, but Stephen Yun, um, the first, I, I don't remember if it was the first Korean-American or just first Korean period uh, to be nominated for Best Actor. Thank goodness, you know, that we're we're finally getting some of these barriers down at the Oscar nominations. Well, Riz um, Ahmed is the first Muslim to be uh, nominated oh, in the lead yeah. category as well. So I hadn't heard that. That's awesome. That's, That's good, man. It's so exciting to see. And deserved. Uh, yeah, and deserved. And deserved. It's not. It's not like you, no one can look at that performance from Sound of Metal and say anything other than that. It is such a great performance. Yeah. Um, actor in a supporting role. This gets a little little funky. Sasha Baron Cohen, The Trial of Chicago Seven, not Borat. Uh, Daniel Kaluuya for Judas and the Black Messiah. Leslie Odom Jr. for One Night in Miami. Paul Racy for Sound of Metal. Yes. What a cool nomination for yeah. that one. And then uh, Lakeith Stanfield, Judas and the Black Messiah. Mm. So the big controversy here. And it hasn't been super hyped up as controversy, but if Daniel Kaluuya and Lakeith Stanfield are both supporting actors in Judas and the Black Messiah, somebody tell me who the lead actor is. Exactly, man. Because exactly. one of these guys is the lead. I, I had even argued previously, I think, on an episode after the Globes that I, I could see Kaluuya's performance being lead because yeah. I think I think you're so drawn into his character even though I feel like the movie frames it as Lakeith Stanfield's character is the, the lead. I, I feel like Kalua's performance is so strong. You could argue both of them as leads, mm-hmm. but both of them as supporting. I don't, I don't, I don't buy no, that. It doesn't make sense. I would, I, I think I also said I would have put Kalua as lead simply mm-hmm. because the film was about him. I know that's kind of, uh, that's not the best uh, barometer always, but his presence looms over the film quite is very large, even when he's not in it. But, um, yeah, I'm glad they both got nominated and they uh, and acknowledged, but that's a weird one. 
it's just weird. And Lakeith uh, posted on Instagram a, a post, just some text uh, in a picture, like a, a screen grab that I think sums up his kind of take on it. It's like, he's not happy, It's or he's confused, but hey, you know what? I got an Oscar nomination, so I'm not going to complain. Um, actress in the leading role, we get Viola Davis from Ma Rainey's Black Bottom. Andre Day, this is the only, uh, there's only, there's two actresses on here I haven't seen their movies yet, and I, I feel bad about that. I haven't seen the United States versus Billie Holiday and Vanessa Kirby pieces of a woman. I I'm afraid to watch a little bit because I've it, seen that. Oh, it seems intense. Um, yeah, I haven't seen uh, the, uh, the USC versus Billie Holiday, and I, I have to watch it now. Pieces of a woman. I think I covered it on on a few weeks ago. It is. It opens. It starts in. It starts in the most intense manner, and then. Yeah. Boom. But yeah. Vanessa, Vanessa Kirby throughout is very, very, very good. Uh, well, Francis McDormand, everyone expected for Nomadland, and then Carrie Mulligan, which Ooh. I was hoping for and very excited to see for Promising Young Woman. Uh, we get actress in the supporting role. This is the big surprise and I think confirmation from the Globes. Uh, Maria Bakalova for Borat's subsequent movie film delivery of prodigious bribe to American regime for make benefit once glorious nation of Kazakhstan. Um, got the whole name there. Uh, well remembered. Uh, Glenn Close, Hillbilly Elegy. Olivia Coleman, the father, Amanda Seafried, Mank, and Young Jun Hope Yun, excuse me, for Minari. Um, I think all deserving. Maybe Glenn Close being the one curveball. I don't know if Hillbilly Elegy is up there with these other performances, man. Oh man, I had a. I spoke to somebody about it the other day, and I have a feeling. I don't. I'm not. I'm not willing to put money on it. But I, I can see, I can see Glenn Close winning. I think Olivia Coleman or Amanda Seafried wins. So I haven't seen Minari. But I've heard that uh, Yu Jung Yoon is fantastic in this. She book. is. I couldn't see Glenn Close winning because hey, it's Glenn Close and she, she didn't win the other year when she was tip two. So yeah, why and not? Coleman's won an Oscar for for uh, lead, if I'm not mistaken, right? Yes, for the favorite. favorite. Yeah, it might have been supporting there, but that well deserved uh, award. Um, <sighs> I so I could see. Are you not a fan of the favorite? Did Maybe I, I don't that? know that film, did I? You always do, oh. I was one of the dissenting voices. Oh, I forget that because uh, yeah, I just man. don't believe that's possible. That movie's amazing. <laughs> um, I like the performances, but I just didn't know the film. I'm a big uh, Yogos Lanthimos guy. Um, uh, directing, best director. Uh, this one throws me too. Um, we got uh, Thomas Vinterberg from Another Round, David Fincher for Mank, Lee Isaac Chung for Minari. Uh, Chloe Zhao for Nomadland and em- Emerald Fennel, Promising Young Woman. The first time we've had two women directors nominated at the same time. Um, and very few have been nominated, period, but two at the same time, uh, with I think ja- Zhao being a favorite. Um, but th- what upsets me is Another Round is a very good movie. It is an international film, which until Parasite, we had not had an international film nominated for Best Picture. Um, and Another Round isn't nominated for Best Picture despite them only doing seven of eight movies, or I'm sorry, eight of 10 movies. I don't know where I just got that number. Eight of 10 movies. Every time, man. It annoys it, me. They got 10 films, film. There's 10, but, there are enough films. I would be fine if, but if you nominate someone for best director and then the film's not good enough to be nominated when you have a spot, that doesn't make any sense. Like, yep. so uh, the eight best picture nominees, the father, Judas and the black Messiah, Mank, Minari, Nomadland, promising young woman, Sound of Metal, and The Trial of Chicago 7. Pretty much exactly what we expect. And that's where I'm like, you nominate a director. So not nominated for Best Director, Sound of Metal's director, um, whose name I don't remember off the top of my head. Um, Darius Marder. Yep. Uh, Trial of Chicago 7, so we don't get uh, a name I know all the time, but for some reason isn't coming to me right now. Um, Aaron Sorkin. There you go, Aaron Sorkin. He directed it, yeah, yeah. He he did, he did. Uh, But uh, understandable why he wouldn't, but again you're saying that's the best movie and yet mm-hmm. Vinterberg gets the nod for director and not the movie. Come on, man, throw a bone. I feel like that's and now they, that is nominated for best international film, but I feel like that's them putting their foot down after parasite winning last year. Like, no, 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 it's gotta be an American. It's, film. It's, it sucks, man. It's I, the only thing I can think of is they don't like having an odd number of nominees. Like, let's have a, a nice eight because it will look nice on the screen because we can have two rows of four. So what I could think about, man, and it, it blows because I haven't seen another around. Everything, everybody to a man and woman who has seen it, I've heard has said it is wonderful. It's great. Mads is great. It's, it looks great. The direction is great. And the film is really good. I don't, I mean, there's, there's, a, there's an idea that just scrap best international film and just open the damn Oscars up internationally because 
Parasite has shown there are plenty of international films out there which deserve a place at the top table, but don't get it on the basis that they're not American made, which I I, I just don't get if if you're celebrating film, but um, it is what I'm like you. I don't agree with it, but it is what it is. Those eight films. That's tough, man, because again, I haven't Minari's the only one I haven't seen. Every single one of those I do. The one, the other seven, oh, fantastic. Generally, I can't fault. Some years we've had where it's like, well, uh, that that one hasn't got any chance, or not so sure, or, or we kind of like half. Some of them are decent. This whole year is stacked in the best picture. The best actor and best actress categories are stacked. Supporting, um, so yeah, I think there's more, there are clear favourites in those. I think, but the best picture, actor, actress, and director not categories are stacked. Any one of those could win it. Yeah, look, they may give it to Fincher for Mank, and if they did, I get it. They could give it to Emerald Fennell for Promising Young. They do. Party time. Any of these could win Best Picture, and I would be happy. Do you know what? I would. I, I think Nomadland's going to win it. I can't see past Nomadland, but my head says, how cool would it be for Sound of Metal or Promising Young Woman to walk away with this? I know. I would love either one of those to win. I, I again, I, I'm fine with Nomad winning. I like that movie a lot. I, it's not my favorite. I, Santa Metal yeah. still is number one for me. It just connected with me in such a way. But I'm happy to see it get in love, man. Like people are going to probably finally watch it. I've been talking about it for months. I can't wait yeah, to man. see other people uh, now jumping in to see, it, especially when they realize it's on Prime and you can just pop over and watch Dude. it real fast. Well, when um, they announced Jared Leto at the Golden Globes. Uh, we live in a society where Jared Leto was nominated over Paul Racy. And I remember tweeting, like, you I mean, look, Jared Leto, Jared Leto is a good actor. Let's not lie, but he's a good actor. But in terms of best supporting, Paul Racy was, um, was so good in Sound of Metal that I was I, I was banging the drum. Like, you, you can't not nominate this dude. I'm not going to boycott the Oscars if they don't, but he's one of the most affecting, affecting, emotional, engaging performances of the year. And a genuine performance as well so genuine and i'm so glad that again nothing against jared Leto. we have a bit of a laugh but nothing against jared Leto. but you had to put paul race you had to and i was going to put my flag in the sand that you had to and i did it, it doesn't even have to be a criticism of leto as much as that movie doesn't like it, it's a blip you know little things was nothing like it's forgettable and his performance isn't great in that movie it's not a bad performance it's just a weird like what's going on with this character performance you know yeah, it's just um, leto just sort of hamming it up yeah. In a film which maybe didn't need it, but it, it, you don't, uh, you, you, you can't. So I can't. I would love Paul Racy to win that award yeah. again. Now we know who's in there with him. The the two dudes from Judas and the Black Messiah. That then I think that lowers it. But yeah, especially because um, those are both arguably lead performances. So I feel like they win kind of by default because they're like they probably shouldn't be in that category. But no, they shouldn't. I mean, I'm looking at best action. Who would I take out? Probably none of them, which is the thing yeah, though. That's the problem. Yeah. So, but so at least they, at least they're getting some love, but other than another round, like you mentioned off air as well, in the text message with that debacle of not a nominate for best picture. Um, I, I went in with some trepidation. Do you know what? I'm really pleased with these nominations. I haven't yeah. seen hundred days performance, but I'm not going to argue. Cause you shouldn't be there. Cause I haven't seen it. And I haven't seen Minari yet, but everyone's saying how good it is. I I think this is a damn good for for a year that was so decimated by COVID in the film industry. What a what a lineup for some of these categories. Like best picture, that's one of the, for me. It's one of the strongest best picture lineups in years. In a year where you know films struggle to get out there or get seen by people, so um, I I can't wait for the ceremony. If I can stay up and watch it, I damn well will do because I'm excited for this one, man. I'm excited yeah. for the Oscars again. I hope the I'm not excited for the ceremony just because I don't yeah, feel that. like they've <laughs> nailed the ceremony online yet. But uh, nevertheless, I will. I'm looking forward to see who wins. We'll uh, host it. Yeah, we, we should host it. Um, <laughs> all right, that's it for our uh, chopped headlines. Let's get to the media consumption. This is movies, TV, video games, music, podcasts, etc. That we are using to pass the time from one episode to the other. How? What have we been watching? What have we been uh, consuming? So, Matt, what have you been consuming? Uh, not as much this week because it's been a busy old weekend. Uh, so I have been watching a few films. Um, two of them, not so excited to be talk- mentioning, but we know next week is the big cinematic event of the year. And part of me isn't joking when I say that. Zack Snyder's Justice League is coming out. Um, by the time you're listening to this episode, it is already out. 
So in preparation, I've watched Batman versus Superman and the 2017 Justice League because we're covering it. Uh, we'll be covering it on BAMP and I'm, we're covering it on NPM as well. So I wanted to remind myself of the uh, absolute dumpster fire that was those two films. And I'm glad to say that I still think they're <laughs> not very good. BVS is frustrating is what I can say about that. This, the premise is there is a good foundation for a good story, but they just have not pulled it off well. Justice League is, as we know, I'm not going to say anything else about that. We all know it's a hot mess. And Joss Whedon is a weird bloke with weird fetishes for camera angles. Um, But those aside, I also watched Aliens. Aliens, uh, James Cameron's Aliens. I'm covering that on the back row this week. So I went back to watch that and that's never a chore. I love Aliens. I think it's great. Is it one of the best sequels of all time, John? Yeah, arguably I would agree Mm -hmm. with that completely. Although... I do put alien over aliens. I am that it's a guy. Debate, isn't it? I, I, I am a one. I am not a James Cameron guy by nature. I, I tend to, I tend to think he's overrated. I do think aliens is probably his best movie. Terminator two might be a more of a fun movie, but um, I, I love alien. I think alien is just like a masterpiece of sci-fi horror. And uh, I'm not, I don't dislike Ridley Scott where I, I, I actively dislike a few Cameron films, especially Avatar. Um, <laughs> Number one film of all time now, man. Uh, I can't stand it. Um, you know how many messages I got? Because people, my students have heard me complain about James Cameron for <laughs> years. So like, they're just like, are you okay with him? I'm like, no, I'm not okay with it. I can't believe I, this, I knew it was going to happen because you're going to re-release it probably two more times. But you wait till we cover that um, year on astrology and I turn you blue for the graphic. I do. It's so overrated. Anyways. Um, but I, I'm a big alien over uh, alien over aliens, but still love aliens. So it depends. It depends which one I watch. If I've just watched aliens, I love it. If I watch alien next week, that goes to number one. So they're both so different in, in their own right. And they're both which so good. They're standalone as well. I think they're so great as a, a pair too, because they are not, it, they didn't do the sequel problem, right? Where like, they just rehashed the first movie. Like, no, no, no. What's the evolution to the yeah. next. And I love that man. And uh, speaking of the Russo brothers, I uh, was on YouTube the other day and I saw in my recommended feed, it was a uh, like bloopers and, you know, uh, deleted scenes from Avengers Infinity War. 12 minutes long. I thought, oh, I'll have a look at that. I'm quite interested. I'd love to see like Thanos, uh, Josh Brolin fall over or something and just have a laugh at him. Something I thought was going to be that, but it wasn't. It's more of a kind of like uh, look behind the scenes at everyone coming together and how they created. And I was like, Do you know what? I really have the urge now, the itch to watch Infinity War. And I think I've only seen it once. I saw it at the cinema and I think I may have only seen it once um, at home, but I really had the itch. And that's my favorite, favorite MCU film, Infinity War. And then they got that spot. I mean, for mainly a lot of that is down to the reaction of when I saw it in the theater, but I think it's a great culmination. I think it's, I think it's head and shoulders above end game. And I know a lot of people disagree with me on that, but, but then I also like things like Winter Soldier, like you say, I think that's a great film, but Infinity War captures something for me. And I think Thanos is great. So I went back to watch that and I really, really enjoyed that. And, I, and it kind of thought, great, I'm watching Cherry as well this, in the next few days. We know this is going to be brilliant. And it turns out that Cherry wasn't brilliant. So um, I watched two good films, two films which weren't so good. And then obviously next week he's uh, going to have a story. We'll see about that with Zack Snyder's Justice League. I know John's looking forward to that. But um, something else that John has been mentioning, listeners will know that Apple TV has Cherry, it has some other films, but it's also got a little show called Ted Lasso, which John was been, has been championing uh, as uh, something which I have to watch, but you all have to watch as well. A uh, An American football coach comes over to the UK to coach an American, an English soccer team, a football team in the Premier League, a fish out of water story. Uh, I am five episodes in now and I'm digging it, man. I'm digging it so much so that John was ready to record. And I said, no, no, I need another 15 minutes because I was halfway through the episodes. I can't leave it now. So I'm halfway through season one and I am going to continue watching it after this. And I'm really enjoying it. I'm really enjoying it, my friend. I've seen somebody else online as well, well, a few people saying how great it is, how much fun they have with it. And I'm really enjoying it, man. One of my favorite sitcoms uh, for sure in recent years, but honestly, if, after I rewatch it, it might be one of my favorite sitcoms. They are, nice. I think season two and three have been greenlit, so they are going to have more. That's um, interesting. I haven't seen how it ends yet, so I'm going to so say when yeah. I get to how it ends, I'll be oh, able to think, will that bad, work? I, but I think I can uh, imagine how it's going to end, but. Um, I, I love Sudeikis so much in that show. Like, I just mm-hmm. was so impressed with uh, the, and the tone that they, they managed to carry. Like, it's such a positive vibe. Um, 
and like there's there's if you've seen any sports movies or like you know sports like fiction mm-hmm. it, it it hits a lot of the tropes but it does it in its own way and it it doesn't it doesn't fully swerve away from it but it also doesn't just be the, it's, it's not just the cliche right yeah it's just this really great balance i was so impressed with that show what it does is actually as well, what what because what, it also gave me goon goon vibes as well, like kind of goon vibes. But this is whereas that's more vulgar in its humour. This isn't quite so. It's just more if you yeah. if you've got kids, don't listen because there's some rude words, guys. But what I think, what I think it does quite well is it meshes, it exaggerates, but it meshes British culture with a, an American coming into British culture quite well. A lot of the stereotypes of Britain are there. Some of them are exaggerated, like the to be fair, some of the football fans aren't exaggerated. Um, but like on the street, you wouldn't necessarily have someone calling you names on the street, but you might do when it comes to football because some people are that silly. But um, I, I quite enjoyed the coach telling Ted, you know, in England, this is called this, you know, look at the cleats he's got. I like, know they're boots. But what about the trunk of your car? Yeah, it's a boot over here too. So I've got to put my boots in the boot. And I thought, that sounds like John, because he says that quite a lot. He says, I've just had my cookies, which are biscuits to you guys, I think. Like, yeah, we don't put gravy on them, which is what he says in the sitcom. So I'm quite enjoying that assimilation of culture. And um, I'm enjoying it. I can't wait to watch the next five episodes, but I'll talk more about that shortly. But you've always got a smorgasbord of fun. So what have you been checking out, man? So Blank Check Podcast continues uh, doing its thing. It's in the middle of the March Madness on Twitter. So people are voting for uh, a future series on which director we're wanting uh, to get there. There's some really great competition. Currently, we're still doing the Musker and Clemens uh, Princess and the Frog episode dropped. Great episode. Um, and they did a Patreon episode with just kind of recapping the the week of March Madness uh, votes and whatnot. And um, kind of explain some of the picks because I think some of the fans, we, we know Griffin, we know David, we know what their tastes are. So I think sometimes we assume who they would want to cover from the directors. And like, that's like, Oh, it'd be interesting to hear Griffin talk about this. And it was surprising to hear like, he's like, yeah, but some of them I would prefer this one or whatever, but Mm -hmm. um, then been watching a variety of movies. um, Swingers for the movie club podcast. That was Corey's pick. I'd seen it only once before. Favreau. Uh, Favreau, uh, not, but Doug Lyman directed Favreau stars. uh, And uh, uh, I watched Warner Herzog's low and behold reveries (laughs) of the world. Dude, that movie trips me. I don't know if you've seen it, but he interviews uh, Elon Musk in this movie. And Musk looks at him like he's the weirdest guy, and he's he's behind the and camera. You don't see Musk. her, like, but Elon, yeah, but Elon Musk looks at him. That's like what I mean. Elon Musk yeah. looking at somebody else like they're the weirdest guy right. in the room. It's so crazy. <laughs> um, I, uh, I I got to see uh, Riz Ahmed's um, starring film Mogul Mogul oh, nice. Mowgli, uh from the Miami Film Festival. Just oh, so interesting. Such a I, I realize how little I know about the Pakistan India history. By the way, uh, I I need to do a lot of research, um, but just it was so compelling such an interesting film um i watched uh martin scorsese's the king of comedy finally i've been i knew all about it and like i knew the whole premise but i just never got to it finally watched that i watched scorsese's bringing out the dead uh his nick cage film yeah uh, which is a really cool companion piece to after hours by the way those two movies like should be watched both scorsese but they they feel very similar um i watched on apple tv plus the billy eilish also two and a half hour long movie does not need to be two and a half hours long. Uh, Billie, Billie Eilish, the world's a little blurry. To be fair, I do think it covers like two years of her career. So it's it's not that it's boring or anything. It's just I was like, man, this is a commitment. Are you I was a fan of Billie Eilish at all? Or? Um, a little bit. My daughter was really into her when she first started like getting popular. Um, so I've listened to her music. I don't dislike her music. I do feel like so a lot of her albums are recorded in her house, like in their basement studio. And it does sound like a kid who's singing just loud enough that her parents won't get mad. Because <laughs> it often sounds like she's whispering and I can't quite hear what she's saying. Like even if my music, like if I have my volume, like at max in my truck, I just hear, I'm like, it sounds good, but I'd like to be able to hear you. Like, can you Wait, project and when she a little? Built out that Bond theme, which you won a yeah. Grammy for. It's like, gee, where did that come from? Yeah, like, oh, you can sing. Um, she comes out of the basement onto stage, and then, bloody hell. Yeah, yeah. mad. And the it's a hybrid documentary slash performance, like concert film, so it, you do get both. Uh, and I, I wasn't sure if she would translate to a stage performance, but she puts on quite a show. Um, and then I watched uh, Martin Scorsese's first feature film, Who's That Knocking at My Door? I haven't seen that. Uh, from 1967, and it is a good companion piece to Mean Streets, um, and it is the introduction to Harvey Keitel. It's his first uh, movie. Um 
So, uh, nice. you know, interesting. And then, uh, music. Um, I often don't talk about music cause I tend to listen to like the same stuff over and over again. So it's just me repeating, like, listen to K play, listen to grandson. Um, but I found, uh, not found, but I revisited an album I used to love back in 2007, the Flowbots. I don't know if you've ever listened to them, but their, their big single known. was, uh, I can ride my bike with no handlebars. Um, it went really viral here in 2007. Like I remember hearing like students at the time, talking about it and i thought it sounded kind of dumb and i listened to the song I'm like oh wait there's actually like lyrical content here and they're very like um it's like a hip-hop rock group that is definitely got like raging as machine type vibes as far as political agenda and uh i've been listening to them this morning i really enjoy uh that group and another band i ended up diving into which i didn't type here but um chronic future um was a band they're one hit wonder from 2004 uh, but I love their album. Like, I, in fact, I like both these albums. They both, I think, I think the Flowbots did a second album, but I have not listened to that all the way through. But the Chronic Future and Flowbots throwback to like early two thousands. But I think underrated. Uh, Chronic Future is kind of like pop punk slash uh, rap rock. Um, so in my vein. Uh, but I, I listened to both of those today. Uh, good, good, fun kind of revisiting. Nice. But that's what we've been consuming, folks. The, the other thing that we have to talk about before we tie up and wrap up the podcast is in order for us to do this week after week, we have to put in a lot of extra effort or it just doesn't work. It doesn't have the mojo, if you will, that we desperately need. Yeah, baby. Um, so we must stay bloody awesome. So Matt, what are you doing this week to stay bloody awesome? Well, I have, well, I have two now, but that's thanks to John. The first one was simply TV. Uh, listeners to the show or me in general know I just don't I don't watch series not from any kind of bias or prejudice but I have a hard time watching a series because I know if I watch one as I have done with Ted Lasso as I did with Devs recently I want to watch the whole thing and it's a commitment though these ones are fine because at the minute uh, Devs is a mini series one shot same as WandaVision throw that in one shot eight episodes Devs eight episodes Ted Lasso at the minute 10 episodes in season one I you know not a commitment, but it, you know, I've been to, I've been told to watch uh, things like Ozark and uh, things like that, which uh, go on for multiple seasons, I believe. And I'm scared to watch them in case I really like them, and then I'm like, this is going to take up like three or four weeks of my time because I want to watch them all day every night, which isn't the worst problem in the world to have. Let's not face it. I want to watch Atlanta. That's only two seasons apparently. Oh, uh, um, new seasons in production. That's it. That's why I want to catch that. I love um, Childish Gambit. I love basically everybody in that cast I like. Um, but I've watched WandaVision all the way through. I watched Devs, and now I'm watching Ted Lasso, and I feel like I'm really missing out on some good good content here because I know the, dis- the difference and the disparity between TV and film is none now. There is no difference, you know, in terms of quality yeah. almost, uh, and storytelling. Like we got, we had um, obviously Alex Garland do Devs. Ryan Johnson's coming up, he's producing a TV show or creating one now. So To me, what- I, the, what happens with shows, though, is that they they overstay their welcome more often than they than not. That's it. Um, You've got it, it's the discipline that's needed. So these mini series and one shots seem to work right. quite well. I hope the Ryan Johnson one, which I only found out about just before recording, so I don't know what's about, but I know he's heading it up. I'd like to think that won't stay uh, overstay its work. So I'll check that out because it's Ryan Johnson. But I'm enjoying it, man. I, I, and I've always, and again, I knew I, I watched Game of Thrones the first five episodes and then fell off the wagon. But I know that the quality you say i know that these things are great like stranger things i so want to get into it i want to watch it oh, man. That's so good but so i know it's not it's not me thinking oh, i don't want to watch these you know low budget you know amateurish tv shows nothing like that at all it's just a commitment but everyone i've watched recently i'm really digging and ted lasso is another one john i as soon as i saw it pop up i was like should i start this you know what? i'm going to impress john i'm going to make him proud and i put it on i, and I, I enjoy it man and i'm enjoying uh, it the, the other one was a uh, food porn because uh, I said text John off off air, and uh, my kids were watching it. My kid was watching something on YouTube, and it was it, it, it was um, a wordless YouTube video of just people making really nice looking food, usually involving Oreos. But they were making pancakes, like different variations of pancakes, for like fifteen minutes of this really nice elevator music behind it. And I was just sitting there drooling the whole time, and I went down a rabbit hole with food porn, man. I was in it. So it would have been like uh, tormenting and punishing myself, um, self-flagellating almost watching food porn. But instead, TV is how I've been staying bloody awesome, man. And I'm happy to say I'm digging it. Uh, so that's me. But for a man of your stature, what's it taken for you to stay bloody awesome? Uh, Scorsese. Um, I kind of fell into this on accident. Um, I realized that 
uh, I had um, recently watched uh, After Hours for um, uh, the 1985 episode of Astrology, and I was like, I don't have that many Scorsese gaps left. I've seen most of his films, so I went looking, and he's got a lot of stuff that I probably won't watch. A lot of documentaries I'm not going to like rush to get to, and he's got some shorts that I haven't seen. I have seen uh, uh, The Shave, I think is what the, the big the short that got him into film school legendarily. Um, and I realized, uh, after watching, um, uh, whatever the King of comedy that I, I only had a few that I hadn't seen. So as I've been wont to do this year, I added another list, yep. uh, <laughs> and, uh, before, right after watching King of comedy, I had, um, bringing out the dead, uh, who's that knocking at my door. Alice doesn't live here anymore. The last temptation of Christ, the color of money, Cundin, New York, New York, and boxcar Bertha. So, uh, Eight movies left You've of his Silence? Oh yeah, I saw yeah, Silence in the theater. Um, oh, my dog, of course, he did. Yeah, dude, yeah. Took my kid to that one. Uh, she <laughs> loved it. I was so like, impressed. She uh, was so pleased with you that night. <laughs> she actually no, she genuinely loved it. Silence I was, so was a great film, uh, but it's one watch only. I I have not watched it again, so I can't dispute that. Although I have been kind of tempted because uh, I I really do like the it. Last but, Temptation so, of Book. I have every movie. Except, uh, except for Cundin. Cundin, apparently, I can only get on DVD for twenty five bucks. Um, everything else seems to be out of print. Same thing. Boxcar Bertha is severely out of print. Except there was a twenty dollar box set um, that came with it. It came with New York, New York, which was kind of a bummer because New York, New York, I could have got for three bucks. Um, but Boxcar Bertha was like twenty eight or twenty nine. But on this box set for twenty, it was Boxcar Bertha, New York, New York. Um, uh, the definitive edition of Raging Bull, which I already own Raging Bull, but I was like, all right, cool. But and then the last waltz, which I'm actually, I think I'm watching for movie club this year. So I was like, five bucks a film. Yeah. Five bucks a film. And again, I couldn't get box Bertha another way. So, um, and I got color of money came in today, uh, nice. on Blu-ray. Um, I also ordered not a Scorsese film, but this is a sequel to the hustler essentially. Yep. So I ordered the hustler cause I've never seen that. And I like Paul Newman. So I got, that's not here yet, but it's coming. Um, and then, so I, uh, but I already had t- last temptation of Christ and, um, Alice doesn't live here anymore. I got for pretty cheap on voodoo. Uh, so I have everything I need to watch. So I'm going to, my goal is probably in two weeks, I will have seen every Scorsese film except for Cundin. I don't know how I'm going to get a hold of that yet. Um, it's not even like on like digital rental. So it's kind of a bummer. I, and it's not, it's not one, it's not negatively reviewed, but it's also not super positively reviewed. It seems to be like a middling Scorsese film, but, um, I still want to see it to check it off the list, but it looks like that was going to be a little hard. Plus Roger Deakins is a cinematographer. I'm always down for a Sweet. Deakins film. Yeah. Um, but that was, uh, you know, Scorsese's kind of argued to be the, maybe the best director from the seventies and, um, that Brat Pack group. And I've seen most of his films and I like the idea. I like to be a completionist and this was a big accomplishment because this is not a small number of films. So this was a lot to, uh, to check off. Um, so I'm excited to be so close to the end of his, uh, filmography so that no one can say, I don't know my Scorsese films. Um, nope. And, and if you want to, if you want to be a film fan, you need to know your Scorsese dude. Yeah. And uh, if you're still a big fan of, of Todd Phillips, Joker, <laughs> I I've been saying for a while, taxi driver plus King of comedy, having not seen King of comedy now that I have seen it. Yep. Wow. <laughs> so right. Was I, uh, go watch those two movies instead. Um, not to say Joker isn't good. It's just, it's, it so isn't a Joker movie. I will. That is my biggest gripe about that. And that leads to our final. What are we going to talk about next week? Another thing I'm going to gripe about. Uh, you never know. It could surprise you. I'm griping ahead of time. And I hate that I am. I, I don't usually go into a movie with a negative attitude. And I'm, I'm saying to you listeners, I'm going in with a negative attitude. We're going to be reviewing the Snyder cut of Justice League that's dropping on HBO Max on the on the 8th. Is it the first? I don't even know. Thursday, when, yeah, the, uh, when this episode drops is out which I just realized I am on spring break that week. So I actually can watch it when it drops. Um, You're going to need that time. Four hours long folks of a movie that from all the reviews that are currently getting released are, are very positive, but they're all comparing it to the other justice league. And I think that needs to be a, a note. Like I will be comparing it as a film. Yep. Is it a good film? Uh, I have seen the other justice league. I don't think that's a good film, but that's not what I'm going to be talking about. I'm going to be talking about, did I feel like this four hour movie that people raged into existence needs to exist in a way that is meaningful it's probably better than justice league that's not a high bar guys not a high bar so 
you know, we'll be back to talk about it. Matt's a little more open to it than I am. I clearly have a negative attitude about it. I'm intrigued it. by it, man. I've been intrigued by it for years from the idea of people. I remember on Twitter where people would just, you know, I want this car. I want it's out there. It exists. No, it doesn't. It does. No, it doesn't. It does exist. Here's a hundred million dollars. See, it does exist. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I'm intrigued by it's the timeline of events, like from there, be it from obviously the obviously um, Snyder had to leave for awful reasons for the Justice League, but then how it's ev- the story's evolved since then to now, where we're days away from it, and the reviews seem to be fairly positive. I'm so intrigued. Look, I'm going to go in yes. like I do of every film. I want to go in and enjoy. I want to like it. I want to like it. I th- I've got a feeling I know where I'm going to land, but I'll save that. I genuinely want to like it. And I'm telling you listeners now, if I if I watch it and I like it, I, I'll eat my hat and I'll say, do you know what? I had a damn good time with this. If, but if I don't, then I don't. I, but I will always be honest and so will John. If I'm sure if John digs it, he will say as well. I will I will be eating a lot of crow because I am also, I've actively said I'm not a fan of Snyder at this point um, with the exception of Watchmen, which I still don't think is a perfect film, but I do really enjoy Watchmen. But that said, we're on the interwebs and we'd love for you to follow us and we can, you can read our, our reactions to the, the, the justice league, uh, probably live, um, on Twitter. Where are we, Matt? Uh, we're at BAMP underscore podcast, B A M P underscore podcast. And on Instagram, we are bloody awesome movie pod. And of course, if you're still rocking Facebook, uh, you're keeping Zuckerberg afloat. You can just search bloody awesome movie podcast. Um, our individual socials, I'm at burkreviews.com and everywhere Burke reviews and Matt, uh, what I watch tonight.co.uk and what I watch tonight, Insta, Twitter, Letterbox as well. And if you like what we're doing here at BAMP, we ask that you take a few minutes on whatever podcast provider you use to give us a five star rating, helps other listeners find us in the future so that we can keep growing this podcast. Um, but with that, we encourage you to keep watching movies and stay bloody awesome. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Blood, 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 blood,